Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. You're listening to In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Tuesday, September 19th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Living in Colorado offers so many opportunities for getting outside. But along with all of our state's natural beauty comes increasing danger from wildfires. There's a lot of forested natural lands that people on the Front Range appreciate, but they also pose a risk of fire. And that fire can damage homes, property, and put lives at risk. A recent report from the company CoreLogic shows thousands of homes in northern Colorado are susceptible to damage from wildfires. In Boulder, nearly 10,000 homes are at risk. And in Fort Collins, that number rises to more than 14,000. These statistics put Colorado in the number two slot nationwide, right behind California, when it comes to the level of property damage that homeowners could face here. For more, we reached out to Jude Baham. He's a professor at Colorado State University who researches wildfire management. Jude, welcome to In the NOCO. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking at this report, it feels like a reminder that fire behavior is becoming more extreme. I'm wondering how much of this is due to changing weather patterns fueled by climate change. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is. I think the evidence is starting to become clear. Wildfire behavior is becoming more extreme as we see more extreme weather events. With regard to fire, that largely involves uh, high temperatures and high wind speeds. So if we think of the most destructive fires, and one familiar in Colorado is the Marshall Fire recently, a, a wind-driven fire where residents had very little time to respond and firefighters had very little time to respond. And in, in those instances, it, it, it's very hard to stop the destructive force of fire. The, the homes themselves become the fuel and fire transmits between the homes. And of course, the state's forests have been hit hard by drought and bark beetles over the last few decades. Our drought situation is moderately better at the moment, but are those still factors in wildfire risk? It certainly is. I mean, you know, dead and down trees contribute to the fuel load, uh, but also live trees. And what we've uh, seen and it's been documented in the academic literature is that the aggressive fire suppression over a long period of time has led to a buildup of fuels. Some of those fuels have now been killed by pine beetle and, and other other uh, factors. Um, so in general, we have a lot of fuel in our western forests. And these forests are adapted to uh, fire, so they are meant to burn on occasion. Uh, and we've intervened in that, that cycle. And so now we have a lot of fuel. And when that does ignite, it, it can lead to uh, extreme fires. I want to dig a little bit more into our current fire suppression policies and firefighting policies. What, what's the problem here? What do you think needs to change? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> and and th there's a lot of complexity, things we're still trying to understand. I think there is an understanding that some fire is good, that we need fire in our fire-adapted ecosystems, particularly in the, in the Western U.S., and, but there is a tension between letting fires burn and letting that process occur to restore the state of our uh, environments, and we have to balance that against... Uh, protecting property, right, where, where people live. And that is challenging. 
But I think we have to recognize that without doing that, without trying to mitigate fire risk and, and controlling fuels, we're, we're going to see larger fire events in the future. And so it's a, it's a trade-off that we're, I think the entire community is wrestling with. Right. And something in the headlines today is the issue of retaining wildland firefighters. If Congress doesn't approve making a pay increase for federal firefighters permanent, they could stand to lose something like $20,000 a year in salary. I know the deadline is looming to get this done. But I'm wondering when it comes to the difficulty finding or keeping firefighters, is it pay issues or is some of this caused by just pure exhaustion with the growing workload? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Actually, we, we have a paper under review on that very topic uh, where we look to see if it is wage driven or or these other factors that you mentioned, exhaustion and, and our uh, existing firefighting workforce is stressed. They have very demanding schedules. They're asked to go out on many fires and sometimes on very little rest. And it's it's increasingly harder to retain firefighters. It's a difficult job. Often when people want to settle down and start families, they, they don't want to travel as much. And, and uh, firefighting requires travel and you know, time away from your home and families. Sure. Um, so all of these factors contribute to a challenge in the future as there's a pretty clear need to hire more and more firefighters in the future, and, and it's becoming more and more challenging. There is you know, legislation in the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed uh, a few years ago, and then even more recently in the Infl- Inflation Reduction Act that does de- uh, designate uh, money toward workforce retention training programs. So I think the the agencies that fight fire, Forest Service, Department of the Interior agencies are aware of this and trying to at least make progress toward this issue. So Jude, given all of this, what can we do to help reduce our risk as individuals or you know collectively as a community? Yeah. So actually, uh, a bit later in the report, they they talk about regulatory. Um, changes, at at least starting in California, uh, where there will be requirements to take on uh, mitigation measures at the individual home level. These will involve, you know, closed eaves, things that we know at the individual structure level lead to damage uh, from fire. And these might be started from transported embers from a fire or, or even direct exposure. And so people can you know, always take those measures proactively uh, without regulation, without requirement by your insurance company. And, and there are lots of resources out there. Firewise Communities uh, is a program that really works to educate the communities. And then get involved in, in your local community. There are often community organizations that are looking to reduce community-wide fire risk. And so they may pool resources to uh, engage in fuel managements nearby a community, things like that. Well, we know Colorado is going to have to continue having conversations around wildfire. Jude, what do you feel is missing from the current conversation? Yeah, I think one of the things that is is a challenge to communicate, and the, the CoreLogic report does a nice job uh, alluding to this issue, but just how much more extreme fire we, we are starting to see and how that may change how able we are to respond to these fires. We're really starting to see these wind-driven fires, uh, like the Lahaina fire in uh, Maui was a, an, another example of this, 
and it's it's increasingly difficult for firefighters to respond to this and and so as we're moving forward i think we as the you know citizens in in these communities need to understand that fire suppression and firefighting is not always going to be effective is not always going to save uh, homes and and protect people and and that that's just the reality in our changing environment Jude Bayham is an associate professor in CSU's Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics. Jude, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. You'll find a link to that CoreLogic report and a few helpful resources to help protect your home from wildfire in the show notes and at our website, KUNC.org. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. We'll be back tomorrow with more of what's happening in Northern Colorado. And hey, in the meantime, you can stay in the NoCo with our free weekly newsletter. This week, subscribers will have the chance to win tickets to see comedian Tignataro in Breckenridge. Subscribe at KUNC.org. Our producer is Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. See you next time.